Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome to day three of Roland Garros. Greetings, tennis fans. I'm your host, Chris Otto. Happy to be with you. This is the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. Sitting high atop the rafters in Court Simone Mathieu in the sixth row of the bleachers, looking out at some overcast skies, possibility of rain early in the day. Nothing too threatening, maybe maybe a 70% chance of rain for the first two hours, so we'll keep tabs on that. Hopefully all systems will be go for a busy day three at Roland Garros. We'll finally complete the first round in both halves of the draw. That'll be nice. Here's a quick peek at the order of play before I get to some interesting interviews with some players. We're going to hear from Elena Svitolina, Grigor Dimitrov, and Guido Peya in a little bit. But right now, let's look. Let's see what's on tap for day three. On Chatrier, starting off with Alexander Zverev, he'll face John Millman up first. And then we get a winner of 14 consecutive Grand Slam matches. That is Naomi Osaka, who will face Anna Karolina Schmidlova, second on Chatrier. Third is the defending champ, Simona Halep, who will take to the court facing Isla Tomjanovic. And after that, it's Gael Monfils and Taro Daniel. Over on Suzanne Longland, we get a great matchup to start, one that I'll try to be in the stands for for first ball. It'll be Juan Martin Del Potro, the number eight seed, taking on Nicholas Yari of Chile. Yari, of course, coming off a final, um, final appearance last week at Geneva so he's playing some good tennis that should be a nice South American battle between two booming hitters and of course a lot of people eager to see what type of form Juan Martin Del Potro can carry over to Paris because he was so excellent in Rome falling to Novak Djokovic in three hours and three sets and holding two match points he's only played seven matches on the season but boy did he look good in Rome following Del Potro and Yari it's going to be Caroline Garcia and Mona Barto, followed by Simona Bolelli and Luca Puy. So some good ones for the French fans there on Longland. And then Madison Keys and Evgeny Rodinia will be the last match on Longland. Over on this court, Simone Mathieu, we get an all-Italian matchup to start. Fabio Fonini and Andrea Seppi, followed by Yelena Ostapenko and Victoria Azarenka. A very interesting matchup between the 2017 champ and two-time major winner Azarenka. That one is tough to predict. Good luck if you're trying to bet some money on that match. Followed by Irina Sabalenka and Dominika Sibolkova. And the last match on Simone Mathieu is Stefano Travaglia and Adrian Manorino. Lots of great stuff to come today at Roland Garros, and we're excited about it all. Um, when mentioned that we'd have some interviews and some hear from some players, want to talk to uh, you guys a little bit about some of the things that happened in the first two rounds here. Uh, one of the interesting matchups of the first round we saw on Sunday was a an impressive victory by Elena Svitolina. She took out Venus Williams in straight sets. It was a nice win for Svitolina, and it was her first win since Indian Wells. It's been a long time. She's dealt with injuries. She's been struggling a bit and had lost four consecutive matches, had not even won a match on clay here. But now things are setting up pretty nicely for Svitolina. She could be looking at a third-round matchup with Garbina Muguruza. Um, next up for Svitolina will be Katerina Kozlova, her compatriot from the Ukraine. We talked to Svitolina a little bit on Sunday and asked her what it felt like to finally get over that losing streak. Well, uh, I didn't really focus on this, uh, so that's why, you know, it's uh, 
I didn't really think uh, about my winning, uh, my losing uh, streak um, because uh, I think all the matches that I played, except of uh, Madrid, maybe was close, and uh, I felt uh, not too bad, and I didn't lose any confidence, I would say. And I think it's this mindset really helped me to today to to play good match under uh, pressure because you know it was quite tough um, match. So. Um, just uh, yeah, I'm playing uh, better, and uh, it's what's uh, what matters the most. Yeah, it's been a tough run for Svitolina, a player who many feel could potentially win a major. And if she is going to win a major, a lot of people think that it would be at Roland Garros, where she's been to the quarterfinals before. She certainly is one heck of a clay court player. But it's hard to picture her doing it this year if she isn't completely healthy. And we talked to her a little bit about those injuries and how disappointed she was over the last couple of months when she just couldn't get her body to do what she wanted it to do. Definitely, it was very disappointing. Uh, since even even in Dubai, you know, I I had a very tough match in semifinal, and unfortunately, I lost. And I thought, you know, it was I was up. I had the match, but then my body just didn't really push. Uh, I didn't really had the power to push. And uh, obviously, you know, um, I was playing uh, Benci, she, you know, she took her chance, she played great tennis and, um, you know, in, in um, this level you have no, uh, no time to, to just be slack, to be really uh, not in the match. So if, you, if, you, if you're not there, the, the, your opponent is going to take the chance. So that's why for me, sometimes in few matches, in the past two months I had where I was not thinking, uh, you know, about the, um, what I had to do on court. I was more away with the fairies, I would say. So it's, um, it's not easy, but I learned a lot during these two months and I try to have the right mindset, which um, gonna help me to, to handle this. And, uh, you know, today it's, uh, it, was, it was a good, uh, good example that I can, I can do it and I took uh, my chances today. I'm gonna switch topics and look at the men's singles draw a little bit. A lot of the conversation has been on Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal and Dominic Thiem and we saw all three of those players come in and, and take care of business in their first round matches on month. Monday, what day is it? Jeez, y'all, it's, it's hard for me to even figure out what day it is. That's how much fun I'm having out here. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Okay, it was Monday, and it was dominance from Nadal. Dropped just six games in a big win over Yannick Hanfman of Germany. And then next up was Novak Djokovic. He dropped just eight games and took care of the young Pole, Hubert Herkic. Dominic Team had a little bit more of a struggle out on court, Suzanne Longlin. He had to go four sets and was actually down... 4 nothing in a third set tiebreaker with Tommy Paul, but finally wrestled control of that breaker and then took charge and dominated in the fourth set. So a shaky beginning for team and a fantastic finish. He's a guy that a lot of people are thinking, well, is he one of the favorites here? Is he, is he a contender or is he a pretender? Um, I think if Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal did not exist, he would be the ultimate contender but right now it's still not determined whether he's contender or pretender but um, I think he felt pretty good about the way he finished that match and I think he's a player we need to keep a close eye on he's slated to face Djokovic of course in the semifinals here in Paris if that match should take place it, it would uh, be a very exciting one indeed um, another player uh, we're talking a lot about these three players Djokovic and Nadal and team but let's lock, talk about the other 
players in the draw. There are so many, and they deserve their attention for sure. And, um, you know, we probably won't be talking about them that much when it comes to next weekend. But for now, there's a lot of players doing good things. Grigor Dimitrov is one of them. He's been struggling. He hasn't had the great season. He's 46 in the world right now. I mean, that's not good when you're a former number three. Um, he struggled in a lot of different ways with injuries. His shoulder's been bothering him. He parted ways with his longtime coach, Danny Vilverdu, and now he started to work with Radic Stepanik. So, of course, the natural thing I wanted to ask him was to tell me a little bit about that relationship that he has with Stepanik. Why has he chosen him? And also, I wanted him to clarify his relationship with Andre Agassi, a player who we don't see around his camp that much, but is still very much involved. So here's what Grigor told me about those subjects. Yeah, um, well, I don't think so. Obviously, it happened pretty fast if you think about it. Uh, I've known Radic for a long time. Um, I always liked the way he was uh, he was thinking uh, on and off the court, and I mean, I, I was I was just starting when he was uh, when he was around, so I kind of find him very intriguing uh, in a sense that. Uh, with the game that he had, he you know he's he's achieved so much and he's done so well. Um, very, as you said, very creative and um, I think this is this is this is what I need right now. Especially that I haven't played, as I said, many matches. Have had problems with the shoulder, so I need that that positive positive energy to surround myself with, you know, with the, with the right people. Um, um, and what can I say about Andre? I mean, uh, him and I have a um, pretty pretty special relationship. We've, we've known each other for I mean, crazy amount of years, which is uh, which is something that uh, I always cherished and for sure appreciate it. And then obviously in the, in the past year we we've, we've started to speak a little bit more and 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 potentially try to set up the exact weeks or how many weeks we can do but all that is in the air now a little bit um also him and radic are getting along so well so that's that's the uh sort of it's a great package deal that that we all can um can be on the same page even if he's uh even if he's uh away for some tournaments it's great to um to have that contact and i mean also those two guys have gone through i feel so much on and off the court that uh, also to a certain extent I feel I can relate to and it's nice to know that you're not alone out there. All right, here's a quick question for you guys. Who has the most clay court wins in the ATP this season? No, it's not Rafael Nadal. It's Guido Pella of Argentina. This guy has had an incredible season and he's one of a uh, a handful of players that really made great strides on the clay this season and has been able to parlay that into success here at Roland Garros. Another one of those players is Christian Garin of Chile. He's got 20 wins on the clay, one less than Guido Pea's 21, and Garin won his first match at Roland Garros yesterday. He will be into the second round, and this is a match you guys want to keep tabs on. He'll be facing Stan Wawrinka next match. Um, another player is Juan Ignacio Landero. This guy came from out of nowhere to win the title at Cordoba. He's now in the top 100, won his first match at a Grand Slam yesterday, defeated Nikolos Basilashvili in a big upset. So there are guys that are making strides on the clay that we wondered, well, what are they going to do at Roland Garros? Because this 
is the tournament that defines a player's clay court season. It was nice to see all these players do well. I read an interesting piece about the Argentine, Guido Pea, about how he has sought the help of a sports psychologist and how it has made the difference for him. Of course, he's a 28-year-old, never really had much of a high ranking, but now he's won his first career title. And as we mentioned, he's really been hot on the clay all season long. And here at Roland Garros, he picked up a nice win, and I was able to chat with him a little bit about the sports psychology and, and also the other parts of his game that he's improved upon. So here's what he had to say about that. No, no, it's, it's not the only one for sure. Tennis is about doing small things that can make the difference. But I think it's a very big part of my improvement this year. And yeah, I think it, it was a, a good achievement for me because last year I, I didn't find the, the right way to play, the right way to, to be focused uh, the most part of the year. And I think uh, after Australian Open, I started to play much better and started to be focused, more focused. And I think that that was the key for, for to, be, to be here in my best ranking, to play in my best tennis. And yeah, I think that, that, that that's it. Definitely appreciate his candor in this interview. He said that last year he felt like he was losing his mind on tour. Well, uh, yeah, about the, the psychology thing, I, I, I'm doing it because last year I, I thought that I was losing my mind with tennis. It's, it's not easy to be here so many years and you start to, you start to feel that you're really crazy, you know, not, not just with yourself, but with your family, your friends. Uh, I was having a very hard time with them uh, every time that I went back to my city, so I started for, for that also. And yeah, that improved my, my game. And after that, I think, yeah, my, my game, my, my tennis is much more aggressive than maybe in previous years. My forehand is working really, really good. Uh, I'm serving much better than maybe, uh, yeah, maybe in the past years. But like I said, uh, it's all about the confidence, you know. I'm I'm very confident right now. I know that I can lose against anyone, but I can win against anyone. So uh, that's that's a very good feeling for me and for my game. And it's amazing how much one big victory can open up a player's mindset and really just kind of like open the floodgates for a player's career and let the success come in. And that title for Pea would be at Sao Paulo this season. He had lost four previous ATP finals, but finally had his breakthrough in Brazil. He told me how much that meant to him. Well, for me, it was massive uh, because people didn't understand what I wanted to say about the title. It's not, it's not just the title. Uh, it, I, I don't want to lose finals. And in futures, I think I lost two or three. In challengers, I lost two. So in ATP to lose the first four, it was, uh, was very bad news for me. So I knew that uh, if I was able to, to manage to win my first title, my game was going to improve a lot, just because uh, it was like a backpack on me. And after Sao Paulo, I think that back, uh, backpack uh, is, is gone. So I'm feeling much relaxed. I'm playing much better. Uh, and I think people can, can notice that. So. That makes me really happy.
This edition of the Lucky Let Cord Podcast is a wrap. I want to thank you all for listening and tell you to stay tuned. We'll be back with plenty more from Roland Garros throughout the Paris fortnight. You guys can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Just open up your app and type in Lucky Let Cord Podcast and you shall receive. You can also find us on Spotify, on Google Play, or at our podcast homepage at Podomatic.com. You guys can find Tennis Now on the web at TennisNow.com. You can also find us on social, of course you can facebook.com slash tennis now on twitter at tennis underscore now hit us on instagram call me on the phone i'm always happy to talk thanks for listening and that's a wrap we'll see you next time enjoy day three of roland garros (laughs) 